Hello, and welcome to episode six of book three, titled The Birth of the Three. I hope you enjoy it. Let's begin. King Chase stood up. My future is humanity's future. I have brought the Wukdu nation to the Abyssine. I have brought despair and war. King Socha must be honored and obeyed. There is no one else. I intend to kill him. To end his, his disgusting reign, my hope for a hybrid loyal to me is lost. I must allow the abomination that is the king of the half-breeds to claim dominion over all elves, to contain the threat to my nation of the saplings. King Chase trembled. But the heroic and brave humans to allow King Socha to rule? I know the penalty. Should I not come to the table... I shall be slain, as all the other decent, God-loving persons. The half-breeds and their king, Socha, are the future of the Abyssine. I must concede that, for, for mankind's sake, I must come to the table. For their lives, I must do vile things, and that is no guarantee they will be allowed to live, allowed their freedom, allowed to prosper. The Wukdu are not proud and distinguished. They are like every other nondescript nation on the humans throughout the Abyssine. King Chase climbed to his feet, his head lowered, the humans having lost his bride, the, hu the human having lost his bride and his son, the brave hope of the Abyssine, made way for the door. There was nothing he could do for their agony. He heard their screams, as if from a thousand miles away. Will there ever be silence, he wondered, when he ultimately died, would he journey until he found it until he should find their tormented souls, only to join them to comfort the pair as best he could with his company? Then he heard a muffled click behind him. King Chase turned cautiously to find a frail, lithe figure, a blazing flame kneeling inside a darkened closet. Hello, waved Pasco. Who might you be but the hope of humanity? And Chase ran up to the wall and the squatting elf and paused as if eyeing the threat of spun glass. He extended a forefinger, fearful of the promise of pain. Pascal blinked, a smile arduously working its way across her face. You know of an elf named Pindar? Pascal closed her grip around the king's finger. She allowed the king to escort her into the light. I don't know how I'm supposed to help you, or anything, or anything human, or remotely so. I mean, I can barely help myself. King Chase teared up. You have effectively destroyed Castle Wren. What Castle Wren was, def was defending... There will come a, a new elf nation. The saplings must choose the son of this Pascal and Pinder to be their king. I will respect you. You are like no other elf I know. You are hope. Hope for humanity. Hope for the fledgling Muktu. I am no queen. Oh no, I'm not. I am a lonely elf and teen. Help me, requested Pascal plaintively. I may, I may not be like any other elf, but I do see elves. Help me, 
and I will forever change the hate and fear elves have for men. There must be a new world, a new world where a new nation of elves and of men carry the world together on their shoulders, allow everyone to be pleasant and happy. What do you say? I will do everything I can, replied the king of the Wukdu, to put your son, your full-blood son, on the throne of all the elves. I will honor him. I will sit as his ally beside him. I will fight alongside him. King Socha marveled at his half-breed troops. Superior in taste they were to humans, but elves were the most tasty of all. The door to Castle Wren limped open. There was a lull, a moment of silence. Then came a shrill voice of a trumpet, followed by a wide cheer and the storm of blade on shield. The soldiers fell silent, anticipating what might happen next. King Chase exited Castle Wren alone. The soldiers exulted. Immediately the light show began. Elves rotated like a wheel for ten minutes outside the castle walls. Winking in the gateway were roughly eighty elves, having come from the first forest, here to admit to de defeat. After deriving some delight, the king confided in his commanders, Has the elven fortress castle Wren fallen? All to this one man chase, the so-called king of the Wukdu? I should respect him more than I do. Well, captains from among elves, do come forward. The winking of lights immediately stopped. Ultimately, three tall, slender elves exited the steely haze of the silent, resilient, solemn, somber elves. The three carefully measured their approach to, of King Sasha and his general Prenhook. The leader spoke in deliberate cadence. If it were not for the humans, for their respect and their charity, as with this human here, we would be all but extinct. For our own arrogance and selfishness. Good thing that the better half, the human half, is well re represented in you. Otherwise, we would refuse you. King Socho scoffed. King Chase is weak and vile. It says nothing of the strength of the elves, that a single man can do something no one has ever succeeded doing. I will give you a choice. He confided in them. You must know that the Abyssin is no longer a place for your kind. What are you talking about, clamored the third elf, a strutting bird. We have been here since the very beginning. The first 120 reached these shores from island Providence. Our blood fruit trees gained root here. They are vital and strong, like we are vital and strong. There is no leaving the Abyssin, not for the full bloods. We know the truth. The first forest has its roots here, not the other way around. King Chase asserted, the elves are a noble race. They are worthy of respect. Should the good ones leave the Abyssin, the world will be thrown. Will be the world will be worse for it. King Socha moistened his lips lusciously. The full-blood elves have the first forest. They have it, and they will always have it. No human, no god, certainly not me, can take that from the elves. I respect the pain and grief such a place would have for the likes of me. I am not entirely an elf. The place burns those unworthy of it. You may stay here, should you prefer the Abyssin to the first forest. The elves may stay, 
but for a price. What price is this? queried the lead elf, a stalking wolf. Only humans take value in such things as cost and price. What cost is there in sunlight? What price does water hold? King Socha smirked and studied the three carefully and removed his silver sword and circled the three, guarding them, challenging them, provoking them, prodding them with his exotic weapon. You may stay, but you must do two things. First, you must lay down with a human woman. Elves, in and of themselves, must no longer inherit the world, the Abyssine. That is denied them. I deny them that. If elves are to remain a part of this reality, they must become only part of what they are, what they now are. They must breed. They must share their seed with humans. They must become as superior as we are. The second elf, a darting fish, protested. The elf gods gave us our seed as an insult, as a burden. The full bloods would have nothing with it. Could we have killed our gods? Were we to act as our gods had wanted and made us the, made of use of this seed? It denies our legacy. No, the gods allowed for it. I must admit, so that this one circumstance would result, so that we would choose to be weaker, something alien, to be something an elf is not. Such a choice is a crime. Such an act is murder, through and through. Crueler than anything half-breeds can devise. Crueler and more base than to use elf lime itself. Why would an elf choose to spawn one like himself? No, we know what sex among the elves does. It corrupts. It foils. It, it introduces disease. One that manifests conceit and jealousy. What can an elf do to overcome these base qualities? Nothing. Chase shrugged and interjected. The full-blood elves have only themselves to fear. Who is it that weaponized elf line? King Socha frowned. The Abyssine belongs to those that stay, that will lay down with human wives, that will create children with their seed, whose children will destroy the kingdoms closed off from their races they think inferior, and blood-fruit orchards and islands where the full-bloods choose to live only among themselves. The second elf stepped forward, clearly troubled, and required, We represent only a small fraction of the full-blood elf nation. You must know that. What has become of the others? King Socha smiled. You already know the answer to that. You are in communication with the other elder elves throughout the Abyssine. Listen, don't you hear? Tell me you don't hear it, the one voice, the one song, sung by tens of thousands, all of them home, all of them calling you to, up to join them. You are imploring one another, debating what must be done among the elves. Should you leave the Abyssine, all to retain your elvish qualities, or should you stay and remain in this world, though becoming something you are not, something unsavory? I do not have to tell you that what... Many have chosen, many of the upright ones among you, the distinguished ones, those who celebrate everything that is elven and despise those things that must tarnish those qualities, have chosen to return to the first forest. We, the half-breeds, of which I am king, 
now tell you to choose. Return to the first forest, never to return to the Abyssinian, and retain those elements of your elves that delight you or end your lives as you have known them. The third elf nodded solemnly. Yes, the choice is no choice at all. King Chase grimaced. I agree. The elves know what's good for them, what's right, because it is the same as what is right and good for men. They have taught us that. We are not different, elves and men. Brothers we are, more so than with the half-breed, certainly. The lead elf grunted, I agree. This is no place for the elves. The first forest remains as it was for millennia. As for the Abyssinian, it slides into ruin, into baseness and ugliness. This is no place for elves. That is for certain. And without elves, would an elf, would anyone be willing to call the Abyssinian home? The offer was promised to each and every elf simultaneously. A large contingent immediately winked out of sight. Only an intense light, visible from miles around, was evidence that most of the elven troops dissipated and entered their own unique, glorious home. Of the sizable party of elves that remained, King Socha quickly corralled them. A haze remained heavy, peculiar to any congregation of elves, especially in the Abyssinian. But the half-breeds retained the skill to peer through the misty veil and past the shadow. King Socha ordered the full-blood elves, Come, come and dine with us, in horror with us. You may have been pure and without blemish, but you are not that any longer. The remaining elves, teary-eyed and pale-faced, silently and with dread in their hearts, emerged from the castle. There was chatter, like trees laden with singing birds at dusk. The habit the elves had of sharing thoughts and feelings with one another was a hard one to spurn. King Chase insisted, I will answer for them. It is solidarity. That is, the that is a truth. They may have forsaken the one voice, but they were compelled to stay in contact. The greatest contribution to the different races of the Abyssinian is an end to conflict. It is this ability to speak to one another. The elves identify altogether what is good. They were, they were leaning on one another and swaying with one another as if drunken barmates. King Socha instantly conjured a firewall. It scorched every identifiable face and squelched every distinct voice. Now only the king's voice could be heard by those that had stayed behind. Do you know what is good? What is true? Like this jealous, ignorant, bigoted human here thinks you do? Beginning tonight, you elves must not communicate or empathize or congregate in the manner you have you had only uh, you had only an hour ago. This is off limits for those elves who have chosen to remain here. We are your brethren now. As for those frauds on the other plane, they will fall silent soon enough. It would be like they were not even here. Then King Socha clapped his hands. Let the feast begin. Troops flooded Castle Wren. Soon revelers in colorful attire emerged from within, carrying tables and chairs and foodstuffs and beverages. It was clear that the 120-odd souls that 
for whatever reason, had chosen a separate path from the one their brethren and elves took, were most uncomfortable in the situation they were now finding themselves in. If they had a choice before, it became painfully obvious to them now that they were no longer free, that they were made slaves. Go on, brothers. You will bathe in blood later. That will complete your transformation. From the vile and senseless elf to something a hybrid can identify with and make use of. Minstrels emerged, blaring horns and beating drums. They were joined by clowns and persons dressed up like animals and by sweet-smelling dancers. Many elves were shedding tears, or blood was issuing from their noses and mouths. Some refused to move altogether, becoming as stiff and lifeless as trees. Other elves reverted to the base form of rooting animals. Others imagined themselves transformed into streams or pillars of stone. King Chase asserted, We know the elves' diet. What is this here? Do you intend to feed them bear or squirrel or buck? You know elves do not eat such as these. Only manna and honey. That is all that will feed them. General Prenthook acknowledged, Oh, nothing like that, I assure you. It is something that can feed only the most base of, the, of hungers. You have denied yourself this meal, the feast of kings, soon enough. Must you let fear govern your reign? I, it will feed a flame in you like you didn't know you had. And once you eat of the flesh, there will be no other way of feeding that hunger. It creates despair, a material despair. There is no defeating it, only feeding it. The remaining elves, some sixty or seventy of them, somberly and cautiously approached the heavy oak tables. They slid into their chairs. Immediately they replied with honeysuckle wine and offered cheese and a variety of luscious fruits. Now I'll leave room for dessert, uttered the king in an anonymous tone. He then waved at a number of his servants. These cautiously responded. Without a word, the humble servants made their way back into the dark woods that surrounded Castle Wren. After a moment's absence, they returned, leading six persons by chains fastened to leather collars around their necks. Behold whom this meal is really for. King Socha stopped the procession. Each of these six were selected for their piousness and wretchedness. They think they are doing God a favor, feeding us. The meat is most supple, for each one of these pilgrims was placed in a box, a box just small enough where they cannot lay flat nor sit up. We did salivate at, their, at the cries spreading throughout the forest these last couple of days. As the trembling, weeping, praying pilgrims ascended from the dew-damp ground to the table surfaces, aided by the silent, diligent servants, even more elves demonstrated their protests. Some immediately winked out, joining their brethren in the first forest. Others turned into domesticated animals, or geysers, or stone pillars. Those who remained, some twenty-odd elves, were clearly traumatized and horrified. They looked not one at looked not one to the other. They simply stared at the empty plates out in front of them. They wept. The sobbing underscored the words of cheer, interwoven with tierce commands of cruelty against the pilgrims uttered by the king of the half-breeds. They understood that, 
by this one choice they had just made, they had ceased to be elves. We touched this poison, concluded one elven captain named Perb, and not only will we no longer be elves, we will be in active rebellion against everything the elves brought to this world and preserved in this world. King Sotra smirked. Those things were lost to this world when the sun came up today. The sun that shone brightly on the last of the formidable elements of the elves once they decided to flee the Abbasine. King Chase was outraged. Why do you make these elves do this? We are best served, we humans and half-breeds, if we respect the goodness and wholesomeness and noble qualities the elves did demonstrate while among us. What kind of world are you making? Is it a world I, w I would want to bring my children into? King Socha replied, This world? The world that is to come must know terror and grief and shame. That is my legacy, the legacy of the sons that will sit on the throne that govern all the Abyssin, including my own choice who govern the Wukdu. Too bad you refuse to rule. If you are not on board for this, too bad you cannot choose as the full bloods have. The elves that now sat at the table collapsed in despair. They were denied the actions and choices that distinguished the terrified upright elves that had deserted the Abazine not minutes before. King Chase swore, they need not do this. King Socha chuckled, oh yes, yes they most certainly do. King Chase turned and said, you have made an enemy this day, an enemy you will regret making. Then the man entered the encroaching ominous forest and disappeared, abandoning the new host of Castle Wren and foregoing for the first for the time being sitting on the throne of the dragon bread. King Socha reclining shrugged. He swung his legs around, jumped eagerly to his feet, and danced gaily with a chubby woman in a flowing silk gown. Then, with a triumphant smile on his face, he sat down heavily at the head of the table. Now you must know, you must respect, that the king gets the first bite. Okay? Then I will choose another, and a second, then a third. These three I favor. The rest of you? You must contend for the privileges I will bestow upon the three I favor. If I like what I see, I will choose you over the others. Now, let the feast begin. King Socha took a knife and a fork. The instruments glinted in the sunlight. Now, let me tell you, I prefer the fat most of all. It is most succulent, and don't let the screaming get to you. The blood coursing through the veins makes the meat most savory. I've tried the flank of a dead man, certainly not at all delicious. King Chase turned and surveyed past the intervening trees the grief and pain of the feasters. He reached for the enchanted blade Soulbiter. He knew he could strike down the vulgar hybrid, strike him down with one swipe of the blade. No one more fitting of the ugly tormented end than the frightful monster. Something told him not to, however. A voice but more an inclination. Leave the murder of the half-breed king to another, to King Socha's own son. He debated this feeling, but he knew what was right, like the elves must know what's right. He couldn't deny he was elven, if not at all, 
if elven as much as noble humans were elven. So saying, King Socha took his blade and removed a chunk of flesh from a screaming supplicant. Then, showing his eyes rolling up in his, into his head, he grinned and pointed at the elf named Purr. Resigned, defeated, he was second to cutting loose the living flesh. He inserted it in his mouth and chewed on it. With every bite, he lost more of himself. General Prenthook assured his king, he is, he is a valuable ally, this king of the Wukdu. You must keep him close. He anticipates eating flesh. I have seen him salivate. Once he comes to the table, he will be your slave. There is no denying it. You've seen me come around. Don't deny yourself and the world a strong leader like King Chase. Let me persuade him to come back. Not to the one king not to the one king of the Abbasine. King Socha said nothing, only grunted, his mouth full. The war of the races had begun. The war against the half elves begins with us today. And that is conclude the conclusion of chapter six. Um, hopefully I'll have the next installment uh, for you uh, next week. Thanks for listening. Goodbye now.